Welcome to BIB Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Now, we're going to do a check-in on the retail industry today. You know, we have big news on everything from the new Canadian owner of this country's Toys R Us brand to the state of Metro Vancouver's biggest malls. And we're also approaching the start of the school year, which means a lot to cover for Back to School. And with me today to talk all about this is Craig Patterson. He is Editor-in-Chief at RetailInsider.com. Craig, as always, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, so maybe uh, talk about Toys R Us. You know, who's this new owner and why does this deal make sense right now? You know, it, it really came out of left field for me. I didn't expect this to happen. Um, Putman Investments, owned by Doug uh, Putman, he's from Hamilton, Ontario, uh, kind of swooped in and bought Toys R Us Canada and Babies R Us Canada. It's pretty, uh, it's kind of shocking. Fairfax Financial had taken over uh, Toys R Us Canada after. Uh, uh, you know, creditor protection bankruptcy filing, and uh, it's got just over 80 stores. And Doug Putman has come in and uh, acquired it, and he, he's going to expand it. And there's some rumors that he could even expand it out of Canada. Well, it's not even a rumor; he said it. But now the press in the UK thinks that he'll bring Toys R Us to the UK. <laughs> well, that's an interesting point because, like, from what I understand, it's not like he could necessarily like take this brand into the United States as is because like what's going on with kind of the US uh, plans of perhaps bringing the the brand back to a certain degree. Yeah, I mean, it looks like that there is stuff happening in the United States. Macy's actually just it's in a partnership with Toys R Us down in the United States, obviously, where there are Macy's stores to uh, to open kind of a shopping store uh, uh, concept in 400 Macy's locations. So uh, we thought, you know, Toys R Us would be finished in the United States, but it's certainly not. The Canadian division, I guess, was more profitable uh, to begin with. So, and I hear that about various retail brands that are in both countries, which, you know, does surprise me to a degree, given how expensive it is to do business in Canada. But I guess we do shop and uh, well, Americans will get Toys R Us as well pretty soon. So what does that say about kind of the, the brick and um, mortar like retail side you know is there just kind of that demand for or, or is just the brand that strong when, when it comes to Toys R Us? No I, I think brick and mortar retail generally is is here to stay or at least it's going to maintain an importance because uh, consumers in many instances still want to see the things that they're going to buy you know we, we can go online and buy things but uh, you know, there is a bit of an experience to being able to touch and feel a product or, you know, be able to spin it around with a toy and have a look at it or even try it out. Um, certainly, Doug Putman is very bullish on brick and mortar retail. Uh, he has come out and said that uh, he's got Sunrise Records and he's got, uh, uh, you know, he took a tea, you know, bought a bunch of locations from David's Tea and started his own tea brand, even though tea was kind of a failing business. But uh, and he's brought FYE to Canada, which is kind of a variety retailer from the United States. Uh, the first location, I think, opened in Ottawa last year and the Toronto one just opened. So um, he's very bullish on brick and mortar retail. And, uh, you know, many others are as well. I know there's a lot of leasing activity out there right now. Brokers are doing deals. Uh, uh, landlords are, are seeing tenants coming in. So, um, you know, we did see a digital revolution with this pandemic here. We have moved to the future in terms of uh, adoption of uh, online shopping, but uh, physical retail is still very, very important here from the looks of it. And uh, I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. 
Do you think I'd be correct in assuming that, uh, you know, David Putnam is looking at this iconic brands and you just look at his own portfolio of companies that he's involved with? Like he just sees that much more room for expansion across Canada that it'll like they, they can grow it even bigger than what Fairfax is doing at this point. Apparently, I mean, he's extremely ambitious from what I can tell, uh, having these businesses. It, it just kind of came from nowhere. I, I'd never heard of him until he, you know, made the acquisition of HMB uh, here in Canada. Well, I, I think everywhere, actually, um, you know, because he's got the HMB stores in the UK. We have Sunrise Records now here in Canada. So it, it kind of came out of left field. I wasn't familiar with the family. They clearly are millionaires. So they do have a lot of money to play with. And uh, they donated a million dollars to a hospital recently, I think it was. And uh, uh, so, you know, good for him. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive uh, and, and very, very much, uh, you know, he's taking far more risks than many other entrepreneurs are at this point, uh, buying up businesses that have been struggling. Well, next up, Craig, you've got a great story over at retailinsider.com all about the luxury outlet mall by YVR. That is MacArthur Glen. It's still going strong really showing that physical stores, these brick and mortar shops do have kind of the staying power even during the pandemic. Tell us what's going on with MacArthur Glen. Yeah, well, it's good news. Um, They've had a few retailers open over the course of the pandemic, which in itself is an accomplishment. um, And more are on the way. Uh, Landlord is also looking at doing an expansion of the shopping center. I think the plans will be a little bit more solidified in 2022 which again speaks to the strength of the center, which before the pandemic had over $1,200 a square foot in terms of productivity. I believe it was one of the uh, more productive shopping centers in Canada. And uh, uh, now this, and, you know, this also speaks to confidence in brick and mortar retail. People thought maybe everything was going to go online and uh, clearly not. It also speaks again to the popularity of off-price retail in terms of getting a discount. I mean, who doesn't like to get a bargain, right? <laughs> well, I, I was always of the mind that people would be going to this place coming back or going coming back from the airport or going to the airport. But look, international travel has plummeted. I don't think domestic travel is all that high amid the pandemic. Is it just that much of kind of a, one of those destination sort of outlets just because it, it's really providing kind of that uh, luxury outlet experience that maybe you're not going to find anywhere else in Metro Vancouver? Yeah, I think it's become that way. It's It's primarily locals is my understanding that are shopping there. So that is different. Uh, not that there wasn't a local shopper there before, there certainly was, but I think that uh, uh, overwhelmingly that is the population that is shopping there. And, and it's showing that the Vancouver market does have uh, a strength in terms of uh, a spending power. You know, it, it isn't, uh, the market there isn't completely reliant on tourists, uh, you know, or out of town visitors from, uh, you know, other parts of the region, I guess you would say. So, uh, I think it does show as well as some of the other successful shopping malls in the lower mainland that uh, there is a market to support them, uh, uh, at least at the discount price range where people are looking to buy bargains. Uh, and some of the luxury stores are also doing okay. Well, you know, jumping off that mention of other malls around the lower mainland, why don't we talk a little bit about, uh, I, we're seeing this trend. We have a story up on uh, BIV.com from one of my colleagues, uh, Frank O'Brien. And they're looking at how a lot of major retailers have been able to kind of swoop in during the pandemic, go to malls, like say the amazing Brentwood in Burnaby and get a lot of these like discounted, like lease rates, you know, is this kind of a trend going nationally? Is it, is it specific to say lower mainland? What, what have you noticed about kind of these efforts for retailers to kind of invest in, you know, brick and mortar retail at a time and maybe people thought that e-commerce is just going to dominate that much more? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no secret that we did see some retailers close over the course of the pandemic, and we'll probably see a few more, uh, you know, as we continue into the fall here. Uh, this has provided an opportunity for some uh, tenants to get new spaces. We're, we've seen Aritzia and Lululemon uh, either expanding or building new stores, uh, you know, two Vancouver-based brands that are actually very successful internationally as well. Uh, and we're continuing to see a situation where there is space available and that retailer is able to pick it up. Uh, it really is dependent on the location, however, in terms of the bargains. Uh, I, I do think that with the amazing Brentwood, there may be uh, uh, a bit of a value proposition there, whether or not it's there's a lower base rate uh, in rent or whether or not there's a percentage rent deal that uh, has been struck. But I've been told that in other parts of the lower mainland, there actually are not that much in the way of uh, discounts on rent for space uh, that landlords either are able to obtain the uh, lease rates that they were getting before the pandemic, uh, uh, especially in places even like downtown Vancouver, which might surprise some, uh, or, uh, you know, the landlords are just w willing to wait it out. So we may see some empty space and it's because the landlords aren't willing to give a discount. So it's, it's kind of one or the other right now, again, depending on the location, you know, the amazing Brentwood is trying to establish itself as a shopping center, whereas uh, you know, Metropolis at Metrotown is a much more established center that may not have to give those discounts. They've got tenants lined up waiting to get in and Oak Ridge will be a whole other story altogether. Well, you know, you're over in Toronto and uh, I, I think you kind of observed that we did not lock down as hard here in British Columbia as uh, you folks did in Ontario. Do you think that kind of played into that? You know, if we're not locking down as hard, a lot of retailers were able to keep the lights on and, and maybe that's why we didn't have as many store closures as maybe would have been thought, you know, leading into the pandemic. I, I would think so to a degree. I mean, some of the store closures we saw were national tenants in terms of, you know, they struggled around the country and made like Le Chateau, you know, shut down all the stores. So it, it wouldn't matter where the location was. But I do think that in terms of uh, uh, retailers and recovery, the fact that British Columbia didn't see the same type of lockdowns that we saw in more restricted provinces like Ontario and Quebec, I think is really going to bode well. We're looking at some of the recovery numbers now in terms of retail sales and uh, you know, British Columbia, I think, has shown a stronger rebound. It didn't even need, in some cases, to, to rebound as hard as some of the other jurisdictions that had stronger lockdowns. So I, I do think that that worked. And uh, and hopefully we don't see more, you know, lockdowns. Again, maybe yeah. British Columbia will be smart about it as we see case counts spiking across the country into the fall here. Um, but uh, I think British Columbia did do it right to a degree. There are a lot of angry people in other parts of the country in terms of the extensiveness of the lockdowns that we saw across all sectors, be it food and beverage, restaurants, uh, you know, gyms, uh, uh, everything that we've seen. It's been it's been a bit of a uh, chaotic time, uh, which. I probably don't even have to really say that. Everyone knows sure. it. <laughs> well, look, uh, I, I'm curious about the, the amazing Brentwood in particular. I went and visited uh, back in June. I, I believe it was around when that heat dome was going on. So, you know, anything to kind of get into somewhere where you can get a little bit of relief from that. Uh, but uh, it's interesting because we've talked over the years about kind of that experiential mall visit, you know, and like, um, it seems as if that's what it's trying to build to. There's still some construction going on, but you had things like the, uh, the new movie theater and the rec room that they're calling it, where there's a lot of like kind of arcade games going on within that uh, new Cineplex. Um, what do you make of kind of, um, th this effort for Brentwood town center to really rebrand itself with the, uh, extensive expansion and renovations going on and turning it into the amazing Brentwood? 
No, I think the first phase is really impressive if you look at it in terms of the architecture and what's there. Um, they've created some really unique experiences, like you mentioned. They've also got, uh, I think, kind of a pet. I haven't been there myself, pandemic. I haven't traveled, but I've seen photos of it. They, they've got a um, kind of a pedestrian pedway, if you can call it that. I think we call that that in British Columbia. Um, that, you know, it's very Instagrammable. It's very, very colorful. Uh, I think last uh, or, very, you know, in the past month or so, they introduced these kind of seesaws, uh, things that you can ride on. But they look really, really interesting. Like they're they're very visually interesting and uh, I, I think all of that together with the food and beverage has really made the amazing Brentwood. Well, it's it's far more amazing than it certainly was. <laughs> but I, I think one of one of the questions that we've got for that center is is the second phase in terms of the indoor shopping center component, which is going to see an overhaul. Uh, my understanding was that there had been uh, discussions and possibly a lease signed with a major luxury department store. Uh, that had since uh, pulled out of the project. And uh, I had seen some lease plans in the past that had shown that, uh, you know, the target tenants for the center uh, in that phase two would have been a lot of luxury brands. And I'm curious to see uh, how many, if any of those, may be actually secured for that project, just given the competition that we're seeing in terms of downtown Vancouver being a a node for luxury retail, as well as I think, you know, Oak Ridge Center as it uh, will develop for an opening around, I think, 2024. Definitely luxury is is a part of that. And the, the one thing, I don't want to say it's against the amazing Brentwood, but the fact is it is in the north part of Burnaby. Um, you know, it's not a wealthy area in terms of, uh, you know, drawing in a luxury uh, shopper, say per se, within the immediate market, as well as it's not necessarily a destination for that type of market. So I, I think it remains to be seen how the amazing Brentwood will do in attracting that. But I think it's going to be a great looking shopping center regardless and has some really great tenants, you know, from H&M to Suit Supply, which will be opening in a while as well. It's it's a Dutch men's uh, suit retailer at an upper mid price range. Yeah, I'm picturing if I wanted to take a big transit trip around the region, I could start at Brentwood Town Center and then go to, say, uh, Pacific Center, head on over to Oak Ridge before I uh, make my way over to the outlet uh, mall uh, at MacArthur Glen. But speaking of Oak Ridge, you know, um, last time I walked in, this, this was a couple months ago, may have even been like right before the pandemic, but um, it was spooky. It was like uh, 90% of the stores were closed down. Uh, you could get groceries there, but that uh, Savon or Safeway, I should say, was closed down. Um, they're doing major renovations and construction over there. They want to get the uh, the condo development going. What does the future hold for Oak Ridge? Um, I think Oak Ridge is going to be a runaway success. And I say that with all, with all, all honesty. Um, if you look at the design of the center and what it's going to have in it, it's going to become a draw for the region, uh, particularly those looking for an elevated experience, which may also be a bit upscale. So uh, you're going to have a very beautiful looking shopping center component. You're going to have, you know, parks and food and beverage with the food hall. There's going to be, I think, a ballet school. There's going to be, you know, obviously condominium residences and and all kinds of other amenities. So it's really going to become this complete community on the west side of Vancouver, which is a fairly high income area generally. So uh, I think that Oak Ridge, when it opens, is going to be, quote unquote, a place to be. Um, this could actually end up being a bit of a threat to downtown Vancouver, if you think about it, because the downtown core has, you know, some social issues around, uh, uh, you know, say homelessness and drug use. And in the case of a shopping center like Oak Ridge, it would be, first of all, geographically removed from some of those challenges that you would see downtown. And secondly, being private property, if anybody is doing anything that the landlord doesn't like, they could just kick them out of the property. So um, my thought is Oak Ridge could end up being a little bit like what we've seen in Toronto with the 
Yorkdale Shopping Center, which does have a very significant note of luxury brands within that shopping center, uh, which has actually resulted in a situation where in downtown Toronto, we don't have as many luxury stores as we should. And the shoppers that normally would come to that high-end district aren't coming there in the same way that they would have. So I think that Oak Ridge is going to be similar for the Vancouver market in terms of being a destination for uh, higher-end shoppers that may have otherwise gone to the downtown core to uh, to, to get those brands. I, I even just think about where it's located. You, you mentioned it, though, but it, it's, I, I think, maybe a two- or three-minute drive, if that, from Shaughnessy, which is probably the highest-end neighborhood in uh, you know British Columbia. So it, it just seems as if it, it's really going to serve as kind of a draw to those kinds of shoppers. And I, I'll, I'll just be straight up. Uh, I, I've been visiting downtown more and more just in recent months uh, as I'm getting vaccinated and, and things are opening up. And it definitely has kind of a different feel to it, um, you, you know, so I... I, I, I would wonder like how many people are going to be drawn into downtown if uh, they're perhaps not feeling as safe as they were pre-pandemic. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a concern for downtowns across the country, uh, uh, literally across the country. I can't think of any downtown that doesn't have that concern right now. I know that we are seeing a bit of a return to the downtown core in, in certain places, whether or not there is a large resident population. I mean, downtown Vancouver has over a hundred thousand people just in the downtown peninsula. So it does have a captive market in terms of uh, being able to serve commercial businesses, but uh, the downtown also was an attraction for people, you know, say commuting in to go to work or to go somewhere else. You know, downtown is beautiful surroundings with water. You had the cruise ships, you had, you know, all kinds of visitors coming in for various reasons. Uh, in the future, if the downtown continues to, I guess, struggle with some of these issues, uh, uh, fewer people may be attracted to go there. So so I think it really depends what's going to happen in the next while. I mean, uh, I think Vancouver is a resilient city, but also, you know, it's no secret that there have been social issues that have been centered typically around the downtown east side. And I think that, you know, that has at times spilled over into other parts of the downtown core. And, and uh, that may say, you know, turn off a certain segment of the population looking for a certain experience. And, and, you know, the amazing Brentwood and Oak Ridge Park Royal and other centers would, uh, uh, you know, offer an experience that would be a bit different in terms of not having that, uh, you know, type of potentially negative experience that some may have in the downtown core. Yeah, well, maybe we can leave it off with this. Um, back to school shopping, you know, that, that was always just kind of a, a bread and butter sort of deal for a lot of retailers. Uh, it was disrupted last year, obviously, because of the pandemic. How important is this year's back to school shopping going to be for a lot of these retailers uh, going into September? Oh, I think it'll be important. I mean, anything to get people shopping anywhere for some retailers, I think is going to be important. So we, we have seen, uh, you know, certainly the back to school shopping advertising, it was earlier than it typically would have been. Uh, no surprise there, I'm sure to anyone again, because retailers want to be able to sell the things that they have. Some of it may be last year's stock, it probably doesn't really matter that much, you know, in terms of, of some guy, I don't know, pens, pencils, erasers, if kids still use those, I don't have kids and I'm old, so I don't uh, know what happens in school today. It's probably more tech-based, but uh, I, I think for sure we're going to see, you know, back to school being one of those more important times for, for various retailers, whether or not they're selling school supplies or whether or not they're selling clothing or tech for, for schools, whatever the students are using now. So uh, this is one of those things. I mean, I think that the December holiday shopping season around Christmas time, et cetera, is going to be the biggest for many, many retailers. And, and hopefully that's a successful time with minimal disruption with the Delta variant, et cetera. But uh, back to school is certainly one of the bigger times. Uh, if you think about it, I mean, kids going back to the classroom, which I 
think is happening to a degree in various parts of the country, yeah. just depending where you are. But, uh, you know, that again, kids are going to, you know, want some new clothing and they're going to want some new school supplies. And, and, and I think there's also going to be a bit of a, a desire to have a bit of a return, at least to normalcy, where in the past it has been traditional to go out, you know, shopping for back to school. And I think that some people do want to have that feeling that, you know, they had before the pandemic, which is a bit of a tradition and normalcy because we've been really taken for a loop with this pandemic where a lot of the habits that we've had and, and even, I guess you'd say traditions have uh, uh, been sidelined. I mean, you know, a lot of people didn't gather for that Christmas meal type of thing last year that they would have otherwise. And then there's, all, you know, countless other examples. So I think that the back to school trend is going to be very important for retailers and we're going to see people doing it, even if it's just something to do to to try to feel like, you know, people are not still in this pandemic situation. And as we see more bad news coming about, I think people are going to try to compensate in that respect. Yeah, it's, it's just also thinking about uh, people just kind of sitting on a lot of reserves of savings, that discretionary spending. You know, I, I wonder how much that's going to be passed on to a lot of these kids uh, going back to school. If maybe uh, the parents will put a little more into the wardrobe or the, uh, the, I don't know, maybe get them a tablet computer going in or something like that. Yeah, they might. And I think it really depends. I mean, I think that the pandemic is showing a bit of a have and a have not situation where there is actually a significant percentage of the population that is financially struggling. And, and you know, is, you know, they say, you know, a few dollars away from being insolvent, basically, I'm exaggerating a bit, but certainly that challenge has been there for a second to the population. So I, th I think we are seeing this, I don't know if you can call it a K-shaped recovery, but there are wealthy people out there that got a lot wealthier, or at least maintained their wealth. And uh, or even are just comfortably well off and haven't lost that. So they work in government or an industry which has been, uh, uh, you know, relatively not impacted during the pandemic. Uh, they're going to be able to go out. But I know that certainly there's a large segment of the population that is struggling. So, but but retail sales have not tanked completely. Uh, clearly, that population that has the money is shopping uh, still. And uh, I, I think that's good news for retailers. But I do think that if you're looking at a bit of an quote-unquote inequality situation in society, I think it's been... Uh, you know, push forward a little bit in terms of a have and have not situation. I think we are seeing a bit more of a polarization towards a bit more wealth and a bit more poverty. And I think that's unfortunate. And that is going to impact the economy long term. I, I think that evenly lends itself to kind of a broader conversation that you and I can have uh, along with economists. It's just kind of like, I know what you're saying, and it is something that should be of concern, even if it might not. I, I suspect the people listening to a business-centered podcast are probably the people that are doing okay during this. So I, I just urge everybody have, uh, have empathy with all other Canadians, but, um, Craig, I, as always, it's just excellent to have you on the show. I always appreciate your insights. So I just want to thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me again. That is Craig Patterson, editor in chief of insider.com. And that is it for the show today. We'll be back soon though. But in the meantime, if you just uh, jump over, give us a high rating, give us a review that helps with their algorithms. Uh, more people can find us that way. In the meantime, go to BIV.com. You can find more stories and more interviews there. For now, just want to thank everyone for listening. And I am Tyler Horton.